Hello and welcome to Small Screen Stories. This is the daily show where I go over all the news in the world of entertainment and pop culture. My name is Edward Lauder. I'm the editor of Small Screen and there is a lot to get into this evening. It's going to be, I'm going to be completely honest with you guys off the bat, it's going to be quite a quick show. I'm a bit pressed for time, but let's just get into the very first story of the day, which is that Batman and Robin is a terrible film according to George Clooney. Uh, it is a terrible movie, I will say that. Um, I, I do, interestingly enough, I do remember when I was, I went to see uh, Batman and Robin in, in theatres, in, in the cinema, when I was quite young, and I remember not wanting this movie to end. I really, really loved this film. Excuse me whilst my phone is talking to me. And it was one of those movies that, I, it might have just been because I was young. It was, I I believe it was the first Batman movie I'd ever seen at the cinema, and I just really, really, really was enjoying it. Of course, it's got Chris um, Chris O'Connell, sorry, as um, as Robin, uh, Alicia Silverstone as uh, as Batgirl, and George Clooney as Batman. And it's also got Arnold Schwarzenegger in it as uh, Mister Freeze. It's it's, but the thing is, if you watch it now, uh, Joel Schumacher directed it. If you watch it now, it's it's camp. It's 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 just not a very. It's kind of in a weird place in between the Tim Burton Batman films and the Adam West Batman TV series. And it didn't quite know where to go. It was very vibrant. It was lots of. It was. Uh, I know Joel Schumacher. I listened to an interview that he did to. Well, not today, but that he did a while back. Because Joel Schumacher is no longer with us. But um, he was talking about it a lot. He mentioned the word comic book. It's a comic book. And he kept on referring to it that way. But to me, it seems as though he'd never read an actual Batman comic book. Because especially then, when it was made in 97, I believe, this film, the Batman comics were getting very, very dark. This is when Alan Moore was... I I mean, 97, I'm not sure if Alan Moore was, was writing Batman back then. But... It was getting incredibly dark. It was DC taking it in a, in a very different direction, whereas Warner Brothers had this property that they were using, and it was kind of like they just gave it to Joel Schumacher to begin with. This was uh, Batman Forever was the first film he did, and that was with uh, Val Kilmer as Batman, and of course you got Jim Carrey in that. You've got um, uh, was uh, who else was in that? Was Nicole Kidman in that film? So you know it's. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones, of course, in that in that film as well, and that that was kind of you saw that and you thought, oh god, and then it just kind of got worse in Batman and Robin, and unfortunately for George Clooney, he was the one that was <laughs> that was given the baton, let's say, um, to play Batman, and he was interviewed in uh, GQ recently, and he said the only way you can honestly talk about things is to include yourself and your shortcomings in those things. Like when I say Batman and Robin's a terrible film, I always go. It was I was terrible in it because I was number one, but also because then it allows you the ability to say, having said I sucked in it, I can also say that none of these other elements worked either. You know, lines like freeze, freeze. <laughs> I remember that line. It's got a lot of funny kind of one-liners, but it's. Um, I have to say, I do completely and utterly agree. <laughs> I understand what George Clooney is saying. He's basically trying to give himself a reason, like an excuse for saying that it's a bad movie by saying, I was bad in it. And then the rest of the film was pretty bad as well. 
But I'm I'm going to be honest that it's not George Clooney's fault. He he was just following direction and he was being directed by Joel Schumacher who had a very specific vision for what he wanted this these Batman films to be like which was very different from what Tim Burton had done in the previous films and then we ended up with Batman Forever and Batman uh Batman and Robin which are two of the worst Batman films ever made and there have been a few pretty bad ones to be honest but those two were just just utterly utterly dreadful but I wanted to start off the um the show with that because I thought it was quite fun and I do I do like the fact that George Clooney admits that he was a bad Batman he of course admitted I think he said it on the Graham Norton show as well a couple of years back and um, it's something that he keeps on seeming to he wants to bring up again and again for some reason he was Batman there are, you know there aren't that many actors that can say that and he was one of them speaking of Batman let's move on to the next Batman which is Robert Pattinson and uh, there were some really interesting set photos revealed today of the film's Batcave so the film is currently I'm not sure where it's filming at the moment. It was filming in Liverpool for a while, but I believe it's now back in the US, I think, that they're filming. But they they basically made a massive set. And uh, and on this set, you've got uh, what looks to be the Batcave, which if you look at it, if you... Um, let, me, let me bring up the pictures here. So let's go into this one, which... So it's, got, it's on uh, Twitter. The pictures were originally in the Daily Mail, but for rights reasons, I cannot use those pictures. So if you can see there, so here you've got a kind of lake looking thing, which I believe might end up being the entrance to the Batcave. And it's quite interesting how it's um, it's all, it looks like it's next to a wood. So I'm pretty sure this is on the edge of Wayne Manor that he's going to, or, or somewhere in on, on the grounds in Wayne Manor where he's found this cave excavated it and made it look kind of abandoned on the outside but then when you go you go in you eventually find the Batcave and I think this is a lake which makes sense because in the uh, Batman um, uh, in the trailer that was released at DC Fandom we saw in we did see uh, Robert Pattinson's Bruce Wayne actually in the Batcave and it looked like there was a lot of water which is a theme that's actually been in quite a few uh, uh, Batman films over the years and uh, this is another one of the images that was leaked. I'm not quite sure what that's of, to be honest. I'm going to be completely frank with you. Maybe this is actually in the UK, you know. And then this is Gotham City. You've got Gotham City there. And this is just more Gotham City. But you can see it's like they've made it on a pretty big scale. It's like a... I mean, it's it's a Hollywood movie, so you shouldn't really be surprised. But it, it, it's, quite, it's quite impressive what they're doing. Also, I believe someone said that they've also had pictures of um, Gotham Harbour Iceberg Fishing Co., which is probably where the penguins op- where the penguins going to be operating. The penguin in this movie is going to be played by uh, Colin Farrell. Looks completely different. Is not not the Colin Farrell we're used to seeing. He he's barely recognisable. But what do you guys think about this? Are you excited for the Batman? I personally really am. I cannot wait to see what Robert Pattinson does with the role. What the minute he was announced as being in the film I was like I am so so up for this film and I love I think Matt Reeves is is a terrific director and I I, I love everything he's done he hasn't done that much but I love everything that he's done the um I think the the Planet of the Apes movies that he directed the last two are very very good uh, he also directed Cloverfield which I think is brilliant so I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does with this and it seems as though this is a very unique take on it something we have we probably haven't seen before 
lots of people are talking about the long Halloween and how that's a very big uh, a big part of it. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this. But what do you guys think? Let me know your thoughts in the comments below. Right, moving away from that and on to Aquaman 2. Uh, Aquaman 2 is rumoured to be much darker and much more mature than the first film. So <laughs> I like this bit of news because, uh, of course, the director of... Uh, of uh, Aquaman and Aquaman 2 is James Wan and James Wan uh, comes from a horror background so this uh, this rumor actually comes from Dan Daniel uh, Richman um, who's a kind of a, one of those insider sources inside source insider he's an insider an industry insider that's what they're called and uh, and he posts a lot of this stuff on his Patreon page so he's like a regular scooper scoopster but uh, yeah, the first, I'd say the first Aquaman film, it of course wasn't a horror film, but there were elements of horror movies in there. That's, there's that trench scene in it, which I thought was just spectacular, that, that particular scene. I might, I didn't enjoy, I mean, I did enjoy the film, but if you, I, I watched it again recently and I was like, it's, you know, it could have been so much better. But then again, it was also a very difficult thing to do. Like trying to make an Aquaman movie is is not easy. Just the mere fact of what do we do when they talk is just like, it's difficult. And it was actually done differently in uh, Justice League as to how it was done in the Aquaman film. And I think it was a lot it was a lot better in the Aquaman movie where they just had them talking underwater. Apparently the the idea that Zack Snyder had was that they, the English is impossible to speak underwater. So he went all scientific and did like an air bubble. But it just looked a bit silly and it's like every time they needed to talk they had to do that and it didn't quite work. It wouldn't have worked in a whole feature film. So they took a different uh, route. But what, what, what I'm really, really interested with this is the fact that it looks like they get, that James Wan is going to be going back to his horror roots. Of course he started um, with the, the Saw movie, the very first Saw movie. Then he did The Conjuring, Dead Silence, Death Sentence. Uh, insidious and then he moved on to um the kind of blockbuster world with Fa the fast and furious movie that he made so it looks like he's going back to his roots he, he of course is someone that is really really seeped in horror and he, he loves that 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 whole area and that's why there were rumors that he was going to be doing a, a trench movie like but that's rumors well he's gone kind of silent as far as that's concerned i don't know what's happening there but there were rumors that he was going to do that but yeah, so it looks like they're going to be uh, kind of going down the more horror route, which is something that I personally am really, really looking forward to. And I think you can you can put Jason Moe in a horror movie. I think that'd be quite cool. Have him go up against a, a genuinely scary villain. There was the whole kind of um, like not it was who did they bring back? They they brought back um, I, no, they got Julie Andrews to play to do the voice of I can't I'm, I'm blanking now on the, on the name, but the, the creature that. Aquaman can actually talk to that Arthur Curry can talk to and that that scene was quite freaky as well that was quite a good scene but that's the whole thing about it there are, there are lots of scenes in Aquaman that I really did like and I thought they could really push it and and do something more with that and it looks like it sounds to me as though that's what they're going to be doing in Aquaman 2 of course there are also reports that Aquaman 2 is going to feature even more of Amber Heard's mirror so maybe the fact like that might work as well. She might be quite like Amber Heard might be quite good 
in a horror movie. I don't know if she's ever been in one before, but I personally, I'm, I am op- mildly optimistic, let's say, about this uh, second Aquaman film, even though, as I'm going to go into in a minute, that there are some, some issues that I'm going to talk about in a second. But what do you guys think about that? What do you guys think about Aquaman 2 being a horror film? or more of a horror movie, having darker themes and being more mature, let me know in the comments below. Right, moving on, and moving on to what I was teasing before, is that the petition demanding Warner Brothers fire Amber Heard from Aquaman 2 has now crossed 1.5 million signatures. So this is, of course, the the, the kind of the issue that I was talking about, the fact that 1.5 million people have signed this petition. Again, it's been that there are lots of people Amber Heard herself has called it paid rumors and paid campaigns online, uh, suggesting that uh, the, many of the people behind this um, uh, this petition, this particular petition, are actually Johnny Depp's people, and that it's all inflated and it's bots and it's not real. 1.5 million people now have signed it, and judging by the reaction on Twitter after I posted I posted the the article, a lot of people have signed it that are on Twitter. They can't all be bots. 1.5 million bots is a lot of bots, and it's a lot of money to put into something, and it's just it's just not feasible that this is all fake. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it's pretty much probably 100% real, the amount of people. Uh, I think 1.5 million people have signed this petition, which means that it's potentially over a million people that won't see Aquaman 2 merely because Amber Heard is still in it as Mira. It's an issue. It's something that I've uh, I've spoken about at length uh, before. Uh, but let me know what you guys think about all of this in the comments below. Right, moving on and moving on to that joke that was uh, in the recent episode of the Animaniacs, which basically made fun of Johnny Depp, and a lot of people got really upset. There was a, a poster, a movie poster in the episode uh, with Johnny Depp on it, and and under it said Johnny Two. Was it Johnny? Wait, the, I can't remember the exact quote, but it's like telling lies was the was the kind of what was underneath the photo, but the the picture of him basically. And it's uh, you know it got people really riled up, and kind of understandably so because if you take it at face value, it looks like they're making fun of Johnny Depp after the uh, the the legal um, the court case in the UK, his libel case against the Sun, which he of course lost. But apparently, so this comes uh, from an actor in Animaniacs, so it's uh, Ron Paulson, Rob Paulson, sorry, and he plays Yakko in the show. He was talking to Cinema Blends, and he actually said it was a reference to the children's rhyme, Johnny, Johnny, Yes, Papa. And he also said that the episode was animated back in 2018, which is before all this Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard thing started. So here's his actual quote. I'll bring it up for you here. Um... But the truth but the truth about that is there's a poem, a children's poem, a book called Lying Johnny or Johnny Johnny or something like that. You can look it up. And remember, this was done a couple of years ago. And by the way, this that um this is a background that is involved in one of the episodes, and frankly, I'm not sure which one because I don't draw them and I don't write them. So he's basically saying that <coughs> The whole thing, yeah, so it was Johnny 2 telling lies was the the poster with Johnny Depp on it. I'm going to be honest, I don't understand that joke, if that's that's the joke. But if it was if it was animated back in 2018, then that's probably the case. But the thing is, they're bringing this out now. And uh, it's on. I think it is on Hulu. 
Is it? Did it actually come out now? No, maybe, maybe it didn't come out now, but I think it did. So if it did, then it's like this has gone through so many people, and it, I mean, it's kind of a bit weird. It's like Animaniacs isn't South Park, and even that that joke, like to me, it doesn't make sense. What is? I've maybe it's just a cultural thing. I've never heard of Johnny Johnny Yes Papa. I'm going to be completely honest. I've never heard of this children's rhyme. So maybe if you have, then you can. Um, enlighten me because I, I don't know what it's about but that, then again that's just that's just me I am British it's probably an American children's rhyme which I've never heard of but uh, it's it's just one of the it's one of those things we're gonna have to wait and see what happens it seems as though they get I mean it's an excuse maybe but it seems as though that's actually what happens if it was animated back in 2018 then maybe it's just one of those things I really don't know. Let me know what you guys think about this in the comments below. And also give me some information about this because I've never heard of this Johnny Johnny Yes Papa children's rhyme. It's just something we don't we don't sing to or <laughs> to kids in the UK. But right, talking of Johnny Depp, there's another Johnny Depp story. He's always in the news. Uh, so he recently, I think last night actually, accepted an, an awards, a certain awards show. And he posted, he, he, he sent in a really bizarre picture. And I think he's trolling. Uh, I, really, I really do think he's trolling. But basically, he was posing with uh, an award behind bars in a very, very odd photo. So he won an award um, for Minamata, which is his next film. And he, the picture he sent was him in the Bahamas. So he seems to be spending a very like, nice lockdown in the Bahamas. And he's in what looks like, what looks to be a cell with um, with the award and I'm just I want to come up with so the award was for actor with unique visual sensitivity from the I'm going to butcher this camera oh sorry camera image festival in Poland it's all one word and when you put it all in one word it's quite difficult to to read but he wasn't able to accept the trophy in person of course because we're all currently in lockdown but uh, he did send them a picture and he sent them a, a nice thank you note the picture is very I, I'm pretty sure he's trolling. And uh, he said, uh, the relationship between the actor and the cinematographer is a pivotal one. You might even say the most important considering cinema more than anything is a visual medium. And uh, I, I think he's trolling and I think it's a reference to him recently losing uh, his um, his libel case in The Sun. But let me know what you guys think about that picture. Is that something you found quite amusing? I personally thought it was quite funny, but let me know what you think in the comments below. Right, moving away from all of that and on to the Gremlins. So it's coming up to Christmas time. Of course, in the Christmas time, we watch Christmas movies. And one of the very best Christmas movies ever made, apart from Die Hard, I'm going to say that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Like, you, you can... <laughs> you, you can... Uh, like, troll me all you want in the comments, but I think Die Hard is a Christmas movie. But anyway, apart from that, Gremlins is one of my go-to Christmas movies. And it was written by a guy called Christopher Columbus, who was the director of things like the first two Harry Potter films, uh, first two Home Alone films. And uh, did he also direct Percy Jackson? I think he directed the Percy Jackson movies as well. But he's he he's kind of well known for being in the realm of well of kids movies really and gremlins is actually a kids movie but apparently he originally wrote it as a hard r-rated horror movie so he revealed this during an interview with collider and in this interview he said uh, i'll bring it up for you here the quote 
uh, bring that up a bit higher. He said, I was living in New York at the time with these mice running around the floor and I was watching an old, uh, old Universal horror films on TBS and my friend said to me, you love monster movies so much, why don't you write a monster movie? I was thinking about these mice running around at night. They would scurry by my finger in my hand and uh, I was hanging over the bed. It was really, it was really creeping me out. And so that's how I came up with the idea of Gremlins. So I wrote a straightforward horror film, R, a hard R. Mum's head comes rolling down the stairs. Billy and Kate go into McDonald's and none of the food is, um, none, of, none of the food is eaten, but all of the people are eaten. It was very, very dark. To be honest, that sounds like a fantastic film. I wish he had made that. I hope he does make that. Um, I, I wish they just did what <laughs> what he wrote. But what they ended up doing was, it, it's it's a film that you can watch as a family. It is. There are horror elements in it. The Gremlins are pretty scary, to be honest, if you're a kid. But it's um, uh, it, is it? I would I would call it a family film. I think it is a film you can watch at, at Christmas. It's definitely on the scarier spectrum. So if you're children are not quite used to that sort of thing or don't like those kind of movies then maybe don't show it to them but as as a kid I I just adored it I thought it was fantastic and it probably is one of the reasons why I love horror so much and probably kind of yeah maybe did affect me some slightly I don't know but it's it's something it's a film that I really love but I also love this idea of a hard R gremlins film and I really I want to read that original script basically reading that I was like I really want to read this script but uh, what do you guys think about this? Is Would you have liked to have seen Christopher Columbus's original idea put to the big screen? Let me know in the comments below. Right, moving on and moving on to Thor, Love and Thunder. So apparently it'll reportedly see adult Groot play a key role in the movie. So adult, well, Groot is actually, it's been kind of basically confirmed that Groot and Rocket Raccoon will be in the film. It was also confirmed that uh, Chris Pratt's Star-Lord will be in the movie. So it looks like basically the Guardians of the Galaxy are going to be in this film. The film is being directed by Taika Waititi. I believe they're actually filming now in Australia. So it looks like it's all go, it's all kind of go, go, go. Of course, a couple months back uh, when um, Bloodshot was released, Vin Diesel was doing some, some press for the movie and he kind of let slip that he was going to be in the next Thor movie. So again, this, this new rumor comes from Daniel Richmond who says that uh, Vin Diesel's actually on set at the moment in a mo motion capture suit. So he's gonna be more involved in the actual movements of the character. I do not believe he did that before. I don't think it was him. I think he just did the voice. But I like the idea of them really capturing more of, of Vin Diesel's movements as Groot. Uh, so he can really put more of himself into the character. And it looks like he's gonna be, well, according to Daniel Richmond, he's gonna have a huge role in Thor 4 and he's actually playing adult Groot in person. So that to me is quite fascinating actually because Groot is one of these characters, I mean he, all he says is I'm Groot of course, but he actually, there's actually quite a lot of pathos to him and um, and he's a really fast, like for, for a character that only says three words, he's actually really fascinating and um, you know he's gone through many different iterations now. We had the original Groot, then we had baby Groot, then we had teenage Groot, and now we're going to get adult Groot again, I suppose, but maybe slightly different, more, maybe a bit more like Vin Diesel, so probably a bit kind of big, like even bigger than he was. He was quite tall and lanky in the original in the original film. But what do you guys think about this? Are you excited to see Thor Love and Thunder? It's a film that I am really looking forward to seeing. I cannot wait to see what Taika Waititi does with that film. Let me know in the comments below. Right, moving on and moving on to TV news.
So it's being reported by the Illuminati that Naomi Scott is being considered for a co-lead role in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. So this is something that really, really fascinated me because first off, I am really looking forward to this show. Uh, it's being show, the showrunner's Deborah Chow. She's also directing a couple of the episodes, uh, <clears throat> a couple of the episodes, excuse me. I think she's written most of the show as well. Uh, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure on that one. But according to the Illuminati, Naomi Scott is in is being considered for a lead role. So basically playing the female leads in the show. So it sounds to me, <clears throat> if if this is to be believed, that this show will be a double-hander. So it'll be Obi-Wan Kenobi, and of course Ewan McGregor's playing Obi-Wan Kenobi in this. But it'll also, it'll also feature a new character played by Naomi Scott, a new female lead, and... It's going to be set on Tatooine. We know that. It's going to be set uh, after um, Revenge of the Sith and before A New Hope. So there's actually quite a big uh, time frame there to, to, to fit in some, some fascinating adventures uh, that uh, Kenobi went on. But a lot of it, I think, will be him basically uh, over, like, protecting Luke Skywalker. So... I, I'm really, really fascinated for this. I really want to know what they do and what I'm also I'm quite interested to see what really the story potential is with this with this show, which is possibly why they feel the need to bring in another character. Because if it was just Obi-Wan Kenobi on his own in the desert in Tatooine, it would be quite boring. <laughs> let's let's be honest. So they're definitely gonna bring in something else until we eventually see Kenobi just settle down as old Ben Kenobi, the the guy that Luke kind of knows is like goes around in the desert and is a bit weird that we then come to know and love in A New Hope as Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Jedi Knight. But it's, um, I, I think Nomi Scott is a fantastic actor. She's been brilliant in everything she's in. Like she's been in, even if it's rubbish, the film, like she's actually been in quite a few, let's, yeah, they're bad films. So she's been in the recent Charlie's Angels movies, which I thought was dreadful. I thought that was really, really bad. But I thought she was actually really good in the film. Uh, she was also in Power Rangers, which personally I didn't think was terrible. I didn't think it was great either. But I actually thought she was really good in that film. But the film for me that really kind of cemented um, Naomi Scott's place in like the big up and comer, up and coming actors was Aladdin, <coughs> in which she played uh, Princess Jasmine, and I thought she was really really good in that. I thought she was everything you wanted from the character and more. And I'm really, really excited to see what she does in this show, should she actually be cast in the show. Anyway, let me know what you guys think in the comments below about this. Would you like to see Nomi Scott in uh, Obi -Wan Ken the Obi-Wan Kenobi show? Let me know in the comments below. And uh, next bit of news, uh, again, is kind of TV movie related, and that's about Disney+. Plus. So it's actually being rumored that Disney Plus is going to be introducing an 18 plus section for their R-rated movies and TV shows. This is something that I've been wondering about for quite some time. I've been thinking, what can they really do? What can Disney really do with their Disney Plus service? Now that we know that they're making a Deadpool 3, we know that they're making, just in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they're making a Blade movie as well. And these films will more than like more than likely be r-rated but they're also going to be kind of pushing the boat out as far as tv shows are concerned so they are going to be making some tv shows that will possibly be more mature than a lot of the stuff that's currently on 
Disney Plus. All the stuff that's on Disney Plus at the moment is family friendly. And that's really their whole brand, their whole brand, their whole image is being family friendly. So what will they do uh, in order to to be able to to release some of the more adult movies? Well, not adult movies, but mature movies, R-rated films, let's say. Let's call them that. 18 plus movies. Or maybe actually 50, 15 in the UK, I think it would be. Because they've also got a huge back catalogue now. Now that they've uh, acquired the rights to 20th Century Fox, they also have the likes of the Alien franchise and the Predator franchise and all the films that the 20th Century Fox has ever made. And there are a lot of R-rated movies in, in, in that catalogue. One of the things they really want to do is, and one of the reasons why they bought 20th Century Fox in the first place, was because that they, <clears throat> they wanted the content. They wanted to be able to have all their content, which includes movies, TV shows, you know, series, well, TV series, TV shows are series, but all, all that stuff that they can just put onto their streaming service without having to license anything. Netflix spends most of its money on licensing alone. Like, I think it's probably about 60% of the money they, they, they spend is on licensing, which is huge. And that's because around 70% of the content that's streamed on Netflix is actually licensed content. It's not original content, which is quite shocking, to be honest, given, like, for instance, um, The Queen's Gambit was viewed by 63, 62 million people, which is huge, making it, it the fifth biggest debut on Netflix of all time. And all those debuts are... Netflix originals. But what they don't do is they don't give us the numbers for the other things that aren't Netflix originals, the things that aren't that are licensed. So let's say Friends. I'm pretty sure Friends is probably one of the most streamed things on Netflix throughout the world over. I'm also pretty sure that How I Met Your Mother will probably either be um, before that or after that. But what what Disney Plus and what Disney can do now is that they can just rely on all the content that they have made themselves. So the well made themselves that they've had that has been made under their umbrella. Let's say so, like the Pixar films, the Star Wars films, the Marvel movies, the Disney movies, the original Disney films. They have all of those already, and now that they've acquired Fox, I can't remember the the amount, but it was a lot. But now that they've they've acquired Fox, they also have all of their movies. And then they've also got these R-rated films coming out in the future. <clears throat> where are they going to put Deadpool? You know, they, they, there's no, there's nowhere they can put them on their stream, that, that that film on their streaming service because it's an R-rated film, at least the original version. They probably have another version. I'm not. Sure. I don't think Deadpool's available on Disney Plus. But um, so, what do they do with that? Well, the idea <clears throat> is to have an 18 plus section, which you can only get into via the use of a password, which is actually a very good idea to be honest it's it's a very easy idea it's basically <laughs> protecting your children from this you know that you don't if you don't want them to watch this sort of content then they can't watch it and it's still keeping that kind of clean disney family friendly image and it means that families will still feel okay getting a subscription to disney plus and letting their kids watch stuff on it and knowing that they don't know the passwords therefore they can't access that stuff without the password it makes sense. I think it's a good idea. But let me know what you guys think about this in the comments below. Right, and on to the final bit of news today, which is, I think, my favorite bit of news of the day. One of my uh, all-time film like heroes, cinematic heroes, is John Carpenter. I, I've spoken a lot tonight about how much I love horror movies, but John Carpenter, to me, is just a genius. 
my, one of my favorite movies of all time is his The Thing. I thought I think that's brilliant. But I also love The Fog. Uh, I love Escape from New York. <clears throat> I love Assault on Precinct 13. And I also love Halloween. And all those films were directed by one man, and that's John Carpenter. Well, he's kind of taken a step back from all of that from filmmaking, and it now looks as though he's spending most of his time playing video games. And he took to Twitter to say that he loves the new Assassin's Creed game. So the, there, there's his tweet right there. <clears throat> Assassin's Creed Valhalla is a return to excellence in the franchise. Massive open world, beautifully designed with great gameplay, incredible game. So he's just spending... Then this got a lot... I think it... Yeah, like 23,000 people liked it on Twitter. And a lot of people are saying uh, that he should start his own Twitch channel. And I'm all for that. I think John Carpenter should start his own Twitch channel. Assassin's Creed Valhalla apparently is amazing. I haven't had the chance to play it yet. Apparently, it's a very, very good game. Again, I was saying it sounds like John Carpenter might have a PlayStation 5, but you can play this on PS4, Xbox One, Xbox Series X as well, and Series S. You can play it everywhere, basically, which is how Ubisoft works. They are the company that uh, made this game. So I just like this story because I like the idea of John Carpenter playing Assassin's Creed at home. But it's something that, again, I'm a big fan of John Carpenter, and the more I hear about him, the more I like him. And uh, I thought I'd share that with you guys. But let me know what you guys think about that in the comments below. And with that, I will say good night. Thank you so much for watching. You can follow Small Screen everywhere at Small Screen GB. If you like what I do here, you can also subscribe on the YouTube channel. You can like the Facebook page, like the video, share the video, share it on YouTube as well. You can also follow us on Twitch. This goes out on Twitch as well. And if you don't like watching videos on YouTube, you can also uh, just listen to the podcast. The podcast is called Small Screen Stories. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us five stars. Again, the, I'm, a, I'm an episode behind because the, uh, there's a problem with Anchor at the moment, which means I can't put up the latest episode, which is really annoying. But that will be up as soon as I possibly can put it up. But usually these podcast episodes come out about like... 12 hours after this so I can have the time to edit it and put it all out I'm Edward Lauder you can follow me at on Twitter at EJ Lauder thank you so much for watching and I'll see you guys in the next video thanks guys goodbye